right, everyone. Well, today we're going to continue worshiping by looking at the book of James. And before we jump into it, uh, and before we pray to help us, I just want to say a few things real quick. As, as we were singing, I was, I was thinking about some truths about who God is and what he's like. And let me, let me just remind us who we're singing to. We, we were just singing to the almighty creator, uh, king of the entire universe. He, he made it all. He holds it all together, and before he ever created anything, he was all by himself, and he was totally sufficient, and he was in deep relationship with the other members of the Trinity, and his glory was amazing and outstanding, and he lacked nothing. He didn't lack anything. But as, as I, I believe, this, if I'm understanding this right, God was so glorious and so amazing that there was this glory that had to be shared there was this love that had to be shared with other people. There was this, this magnificence that needed to be worshipped. And so God created, not because he lacked, but because he was overflowing. He, he wasn't missing us. He had glory to be shared with us. And as we sing songs to God, I, I hope that we become a people that the thing that goes on deep in our heart is that God is at the center of the universe and he's worthy of praise and we aren't at the center of the universe. We make miserable gods. We are awful idols. We're not strong enough to be at the center of the universe. We're not worthy enough to be at the center of the universe. And so I just, I, my prayer for us is we sing songs, we're working through things that we always remember that God lacks nothing and he is worthy of all praise and honor and glory. I, I want that to burn in our hearts. And I say all that because as, uh, as we move from worshiping by singing praise to God to worshiping by listening to God through his word, I want us to have humble hearts. And, and the passage we're looking at today, if I'm just really honest, it gets right in our business. All right? it's, it meddles. It's direct. James is very practical, and he is not pulling punches. He just straight gets to the bottom line. He rips away all pretense. He rips away all pretending. If you are a good church person, he's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Like, I'm just telling you, that's what he's going to do. He's, James is going to make us ask questions that, if I'm really honest, we probably don't want to answer. And as we do that, I'm, I'm reminded of this. It, when I, every time we're confronted with the truth of the word, I'm reminding a few things of what the Bible says about us. And it's not good news, so, so please don't feel beat down today. I want you to feel encouraged, but I've got to go through the truth to get to the encouragement. Romans chapter 1 says this about you and I. It says that our natural hearts want to suppress the truth. We want to mold the truth to fit our idea of the truth. That what our hearts automatically do when we hear truth about who God is and how he operates and what he thinks, our natural bent is to say, I don't like that. If it doesn't fit in with my mold, I reject it, or I'm going to twist it to say exactly what makes me feel better, not what's true. And as I'm thinking about us engaging James chapter 1 and the way it confronts us, I want to protect us from having hearts that will manipulate it or mold it or completely suppress it. I also know that 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this in verses 3 and 4. It doesn't just say that's our natural state. It says it's going to get worse. Listen to these verses. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. In other words, uh, it's, not a, it's not like they got poison ivy there. They've just got this desire. Say something that makes my ears feel good. Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It's not just that our heart's bent is to suppress the truth. The thing, the Bible says that as time goes on, we will get more and more, not just suppressing of the truth, but gathering teachers who say exactly what we want to hear. And if you don't say what I like or what I prefer, it doesn't matter if it's true. It only matters if it fits in with my version of the truth. If you don't say it, I leave and I reject it because I can find a million teachers that will say exactly what I want to hear. So here's my concern for us is, We jump into James chapter 1. As James gets ready to almost give us a gospel punch in the face, as he gets ready to force us to ask ourselves questions we probably don't want to hear, I know that my heart and your heart has a bent, if we're not careful, to suppress it and to twist it and to reject it. And I don't want us to do that. I, I want us to do what the end of the passage last week said in James chapter 1 verse 12. I want us to receive with meekness, to receive with humility to to receive with gentleness the word so if we're going to do that if we're going to overcome our natural propensity to suppress and manipulate if we're going to receive it with meekness here's what i know i need help i need help to have a heart like that you you need god to help you and i need god to help me receive the word and teach the word just like that all right So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to help. That was a long introduction to prayer, all right? But we're going to pray and ask God to help. So would you bow your head and close my eyes? Close my eyes. Close your eyes. (laughs) Heavenly Father, uh, God, I'm not coming to you in pretense that I've got it all together. But God, we, we know that you're worth it. And God, we know you're kind and you're merciful. So God, I'm I'm praying Would you please help all of us to hear exactly what you would say to us? God, I pray we would hear the good news. I'm praying we would hear the truth. Help us to have ears to hear what your spirit would say to us through your word. God, God, give us hearts that are hungry and willing to do whatever it is that you say that are responsive to you. God, I'm asking that you would work in our midst in a way that my weak words never could. God, would would you help me to teach? God, I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit and enable me to rightly and graciously and truthfully handle your holy word. God, help me to do that. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, that was a long, intense introduction to James chapter 1, verse 22. So if you would open up your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 22. As you're flipping over there, uh, let me just say, I know it was intense, but the reason I think it needs to be intense is because I think James is doing us a favor by making us ask the questions that we're about to have to ask. I I think he's doing us in a favor for our eternal souls, and I I don't want us to take that lightly. James chapter 1, verse 22. We're going to read verse 22 through 25. Would you please follow along in your Bibles with me? It says this, but be doers... Of the word. I could just stop right there. Uh, and not, hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
Doesn't it? You got to be honest. These verses are pretty simple. It's real, real, real simple. It doesn't take a rocket science. You don't need to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to have been in church for 20 years to understand what this is saying. It's real simple. Our, what John, James is saying is that we need to be people who do the word and not just hear the word. We, we don't need to be people who talk about it and listen to it and say, that sounds really great. We are supposed to be people who actually do who actually obey what God has said. In other words, if there's no action in our Christian life, it is all just empty talk. I kept thinking of examples of middle school and all of my life where people talk, 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 and never did, 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 did. I had tons of examples of that, too many of them in my own personal life to share, but I'm, I'm sure all of us have bumped into people who are always talking a big talk, but when it actually became game time, they were nowhere to be found. And I don't want us to be that type of church. James' question for his people that he's pastoring is, are you doers of the word? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment. I'm going to ask you some questions. And I want you to honestly ask yourself these questions that I'm about to ask you. And they're all driving to this. Are you a doer of the word or do you just listen to it? Let me say that again. Are you a doer of the word? Let me, let me help you uh, flush that out. Let me make it real specific for you. When was the last time that you listened to a sermon and did something about what you heard in that sermon? Maybe it was last week, two weeks ago. You got something in your head yet? A month? Six months? A year? Maybe never. Now, listen, some of you are thinking, well, if you would preach better, I would have stuff to do. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was thinking as I was writing this. Immediately I was like, okay, so look, I'll agree with that. Let's just go ahead and take me out of the picture. And, and let me ask it this way. When was the last time you read your Bible? Because God's good at communicating. He's way better than me. He's a competent communicator. When was the last time you read your Bible and got up off of your nice little recliner and did what you read? A day? Two days, a week, a month, a year? Just out of curiosity, how y'all doing in this little self-evaluation right now? Squirming yet? I don't know, that, that was a really bad response. I can't tell if you're bored or angry right now. Listen, I, it's not fun for me to wrestle with that. As I look at that, there's this, I quickly see this gap that happens. This gap in, in all these things that we see in the word. All these things that Jesus has called us to do and to be. And time after time after time, it's almost like we get stuck in this perpetual cycle. I listen and I judge it as a good sermon, not if I do anything based on it. If I feel guilty, if I make you feel guilty enough, you walk out being like, oh my goodness, that was so amazing. And we don't do anything. We don't, we don't do anything. We, we have churches that are filled with people that can talk to you about what the Bible says front and back. But if we talk about just simply reading your Bible on a regular basis and doing it, if you just do a little bit of reading, let me tell you what you will probably find. You can probably fill in the blanks of what I'm about to say. That if you are reading your Bible, you are supposed to love 
God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not rocket science. Love God. And I think about, okay, do I love God? Do I worship him? Do I praise him? Do I adore him? Am I thinking about him all the time? Is all of my life wrapped around following and knowing God? Okay, that one feels more in my head, but what if I go this? I'm supposed to love people. Let me be real specific. Look around this room. The Bible says to love one another. That is a command to the church. And the one another that he's talking about for us is sitting in this room right now. We know that. We know we're supposed to be in deep communion with one another. We know we're supposed to forgive one another. We're even supposed to love our enemies. Good grief. All right, I know this, love my enemies. I, we also know that we're supposed to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, I don't I haven't shared anything new with anyone in this room. How are we doing with doing the word? Church, i got to be honest. I'm half tempted to literally wrap it up and just say, be doers of the word and pray and go on. But we're Baptist. I'm not allowed to do that. It'll, it'll totally upend the order of Sunday mornings. We'll beat the Methodist to church. It's all sorts of chaos at Sunny's. I can't be doing that. So I'm not going to wrap y'all like, oh, man, I thought we were out in 10 minutes. It would have been amazing. No such luck. I'm not giving up my shot. Because I, I have more questions for us. Because there's more than this passage says. It talks about us being doers of the word. And church, I, I'm afraid that at times we've got this group mentality that pulls each other down to complete and absolute paralyzation of actually being obeyers of what God has called us to do. We just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I was looking at stories of of how uh, guys that were running in, in the Nazi in World War II Germany, they're running all the, the concentration camps. And there's studies trying to figure out how did these guys go as far as they were going? They just got nudged slowly and slowly and slowly into evil, but there was this group paralyzation that was happening where nobody did anything and they all just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I, I read stories this week of people in Vietnam um, where these guys went and slaughtered whole villages and they were trying to figure out how did nobody speak up in this moment when they were committing this atrocity. And there was this thing called this group think where they all just paralyzed and went along with the flow of things. And, and my concern, my concern for us is that if we're not careful, we, not just if we're not careful, we might have created a culture of listening to the word and never doing it. And it, it, we're okay with it. It's easy, and it's comfortable, and it's totally acceptable. You can listen. Let me say this. You can show up here every week and never actually do anything with the word, and we'll make you a deacon. No, that's not a shot to the deacon. Sorry, guys. Don't, nobody freak out. The point I'm trying to make is sometimes our standard to get you in leadership is not are you actually a doer of the word and a lover of God and a lover of people, did you just show up and listen every week? That makes you a leader. We don't care if you have character. We don't care if you actually do it. We just care if you were here. That standard is too low. Because sometimes we can create this culture of just listening. That makes you a leader because you listen, not because you did. And that is not, that is not what following Jesus looks like. 
Let me show you. I want to point out something. Because there's a couple things I want us to see. There's two dangers for us that I see in this passage. Danger number one. It's found in verse 22 of James chapter 1. He says this. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I want you to circle this word right here. Deceiving yourselves. Danger, danger number one, if you are just a, a hearer and not a doer, if you never do it, you just hear it, danger number one is you're self-deceived. That's not good news for us, right? He's saying it, that there's something about you that you're lying to yourself. Well, what is it that you're lying to yourself about? There's two lies, I think, that we tell ourselves. Lie number one, and listen, I, I want to be gentle here, but, but you have to hear this. Because I, I think some, our souls, our very souls that will live somewhere for eternity can be at stake when it comes to this question. The first lie, the first way we can deceive ourselves is this. Lie number one is that I can tell myself that I'm in a real relationship with God because I listen to the word and never do it. You can lie to yourself and convince yourself that you are a real and true follower of Jesus because you're good, and you're churchy, and you're clean. Listen, you can actually believe you have real saving faith. This lie is dangerous for many in the church. I mean, let me tell you a verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. You know what Jesus says to a whole bunch of religious people in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21? Let me read it to you. This is Jesus talking to the, the elite of the elite when it comes to religious obedience, the Jews. And his statement, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I want you to hear that. This is, this is important for us. If you grew up in church, if you've been in church, if you know how to behave and be really, really good, there is a danger for you that you could lie to yourself and convince yourself that you're in a real saving relationship with Jesus. You have real saving faith. It doesn't matter if it has zero action. You prayed a prayer when you were four, and that's all that matters because your mom told you you're good. But it doesn't, it hasn't changed your heart. You don't have love. And if we're not careful, you will listen to that lie, and you will lie to yourself over and over and over and over again. As we get into James chapter 2, you're going to find out that's not real saving faith. Brothers and sisters, here's, here's what I'm trying to communicate to you. It would be a tragedy for you to be here every single Sunday. For you to raise your kids and your grandkids here every single week for year after year after year. And there's a day that you die and you stand before Jesus and you come walking into that thing thinking everything is great and you get this surprising statement, I, I know you said I was Lord or you never did anything. Like you, I don't know you. Church, I can't be a good pastor and let that slip without making you ask that question. James chapter one about being a doer of the word is a question about whether or not you have real faith that actually fleshes itself out in action. If your faith doesn't produce works, it is not saving faith. Now, I don't want to cause some of you to doubt your salvation who really trust in Jesus. 
What I don't want is some of you who feel great to be lying to yourselves and be shocked when you stand in front of him. You want to study it more? Let me give you a verse to look up on your own time. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. It's it's a shocking passage where Jesus talks about coming back and he says, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. Do y'all remember this passage? The sheep are over here on the right and the goats are over here on the left. And he looks at the sheep and he's like, man, come on in. I got this great reward for you because you were nice to me. You fed me when I was hungry. You gave me something to drink when I was thirsty. When I didn't have clothes, you gave me clothes. All these things that you did for me. And they were like, we didn't, I don't remember seeing you. I would have remembered a dude that glows with hair and everything like what you've got. Like I would have remembered seeing you. And he, he says, no, no, when you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. You see, see what he's doing there? There was a faith that you had that led you to action, to loving the people who were needy and broken and hurting. You come on in, and then he's got this other group, the goats. Same exact thing. He said, you get away from me. I don't even know you. You didn't give me anything to drink when I was thirsty. You didn't give me any food. You didn't do anything kind to me when I was needy. And they were like, we never saw you doing that. We would have definitely helped you. If we saw Jesus hungry on the side of the road, I definitely would have gone to McDonald's and gotten him the biggest happy meal I could have gotten him. and given. There's no way in the world I would walk by you and not give you food. It says, when you did it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. What's Jesus' standard there? His standard is that there is a faith that when he saves you, it does something in you. And everything else is a cheap imitation. So when you see the word, say, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It's good for you because you could be lying to yourself. You may never do the word because you don't have a real relationship with God. But there's a second lie. It's not just that I'm in a real relationship with God. We could also deceive ourselves to saying, listen, okay, I have a real relationship with God, but I'm strong and I I obey him. I'm really good. The, The second lie is that you are strong and healthy spiritually. Your lack of responsiveness to God and his word doesn't concern you because you've lied to yourself and you believe that you're doing just fine. This is an issue of salvation. This is an issue of you think you're spiritually mature when you're not. You've hardened your heart with sin. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. I know this is intense. We're going to get to good news eventually. Just stick with me on this one. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. He's he's saying, listen, listen, if you hear God speaking to you, don't harden your heart. That's what Israel did in the wilderness. Don't do that. That's an act of rebellion. When God speaks to you, don't harden your heart. Hop down to verse 12 and 13. Talking about how the church is supposed to interact as a result of this. If he... Hebrews chapter 3 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Be careful. Your hearts can get unbelieving very quickly, and they can get hardened by sin. Verse 13, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
The writer of Hebrews' call is this. Don't harden your hearts when God speaks to you. Keep them soft and tender to him. Be careful with this. Don't, don't do that. And you should interact with each other, knowing our hearts can get hardened by sin at any moment. Don't do that. Challenge each other. Love each other. Encourage one another in relationship in the church to make sure, hey, don't get hard. Don't harden your heart towards him. Don't get stubborn to God. Don't let sin take root and callous your heart. Listen, if, if you are just a hearer of the word and not a doer, the two lies that I think that you might believe would be this. Lie number one, I'm in a real relationship with God. And lie number two, I'm mature spiritually. And I, I believe the Bible calls us in those things. If you are not a doer of the word, either you are hardened by sin or you're not a follower. I can't answer which one you are. You're willing to do business with God and spend time with him asking if you really believe that Jesus is your Savior. So, so that's the first danger I see in James chapter 1 here about being a doer of the word. The first danger is that you are self-deceived. You're lying to yourself about the state of your spiritual walk with God. But there's a second danger in here. Danger number two, and I, I'm going to ask you to bear with me as I try to explain this to you. And, and I, I fear that we've gotten this one wrong way too often. Now, this is the one I'm always harping on. This is why I told you I couldn't preach James until I preached the gospel to you in the book of Galatians. D danger number two is not that you're self-deceived, it's that you're self-righteous. Listen, I know I'm getting really aggressive here, but, but here's what I want you to know. Here's what I'm afraid is happening in the church. I'm afraid that at times we work really hard to get you to obey. We try to tell funny stories and use slick marketing. Uh, I got to come up with three points in a poem and hopefully they're all alliterated. That way it'll stick in your mind so that you'll be an obeyer of Jesus and a lover of him. We, we try to tell you stories about hell and scare the snot out of you to obey. We manipulate. We do all sorts of things to get you to obey. And, and here's my fear. My fear, and I've said this before, is that we would teach you to obey God without needing Jesus. My biggest fear for you is that you would learn how to not have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you would never need Jesus to help you do that. My fear for you is you would learn how not to curse and do all sorts of bad things, but you don't need Jesus because you can do it all on your own. Here's where I'm driving at that. There is a way to be a doer of the word there's a way to obey Jesus, and you're actually still disobeying him. Now, if I have not thoroughly confused you yet, let me help unpack that for you. Here's, here's where I'm driving with that. Consider this. When Jesus came, he came to the Israelites, who were the, to the Jews, who were working really, really hard to obey the revealed word to them. Have you talked about the Pharisees? They had rules about when you could eat and what you could eat and how you could eat, rules about how far you could walk on the Sabbath, rules about what you could wear, rules about all sorts of stuff. You had to wash your hands a certain way after you went to the market. They had rule after rule after rule, and all of it was to help them learn how to work really hard to obey God. And they missed it. They worked really hard at obeying, and they missed it. Why did they miss it? Romans chapter 9, verse 32 has this statement. 
Why did the Jews miss it? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They've stumbled over the stumbling stone. Listen, here's, here's what I'm concerned. I'm concerned that you see, be a doer of the word, and here's what you do. You say, I can do that. So I'm going to plug into all my self-discipline. Boop, that's my power source. All my guilt. Boop, that's my power source to do the word. I got all sorts of things. I'm going to use accountability. Boop, that's my power source to do and obey the word. Legalism. I'm plugging into all sorts of power sources, and none of them will actually help me be a doer of the word that pleases God. Here is what I think that means. If I'm trying to help you understand how to be a doer of the word by gospel power, not by your own self-righteous power. That's what I'm driving at here. So how do you be a word, be a doer of the word that, that does it by faith in the gospel, not faith in your own power and your own self? Well, let me remind you what the gospel is. Here's the good news of Jesus Christ. When he saw us, he saw us broken and rebellious and deformed by sin. We were totally... Uh, wrapped up in it and God saw us in that and instead of giving us judgment which we deserved by being in rebellion against him he said I, I want to give them love and grace and mercy so he sent his son Jesus to come and die on a cross and when Jesus was on that cross God took all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of our disobedience and all of our brokenness all of it and he judged Jesus for every single bit of our stubbornness and brokenness Jesus died and was buried, and three days later, he came back to life. And here's what he offers us. He says, listen, not if you will work hard, if you will trust me and repent and ask me to save you. Here's what God says he'll do if we put faith in him. He says, listen, I'm going to make you part of my family. You were far away, I'm bringing you close. Listen, I'm going to forgive you. You were dirty and filled with sin. I'm going to wipe your slate clean. I'm going to clean you and bring you close to myself. So listen, your heart was hard and stubborn and against me, and I'm taking that hard heart out, and I'm putting a new, soft, tender heart in you that wants to know me and wants to obey me. And not only that, listen to what else he does. He says, no, I'm not just going to give you a new heart and give you a new slate. I'm not just going to make you part of the family. I'm, I'm doing all this work on the inside. I'm putting my spirit in you. I'm going to put me, my presence in you. Not just to give you the ability, but the power to be able to obey me. That's a whole lot of stuff that God gave us to be able to do the work that he's called us to do. And so here's what I think that gospel means for us. If he gave me a new heart and he gave me the Holy Spirit, that when I come to the word and I see something that he's called me to do, here's what I do. I start off by saying this. I always want to start with the heart behind the obedience. I always start at the heart level. I never settle for loveless, heartless obedience. That's a scam. Let me give you an example. If, if, uh, if, if you knew that God said you're supposed to love your neighbor, and I said this with my kids. I told my, I told my kids, listen, Evangel, you need to stop yelling at your brothers. Okay, and then I hear screaming at them like, baby girl, listen. Go apologize to your brother for screaming at him. And she walks over and she's like, sorry I screamed at you, you idiot. <laughs> right? Did she obey me? Technically, I guess she apologized. It was a really bad apology. But she did not obey from the heart. Like what I want was not just for my daughter to say the words, I'm sorry. 
What I want from my daughter is a heart that says, I mean, that, that was wrong. And a heart that wants to go up to her brother and say, I'm, I'm damaging this relationship. Will you forgive me? I don't want the words. I want the heart. I want you to hear our Father in heaven wants the same exact thing for us. He doesn't want behavior modification that is not connected to deep heart change. Do not settle for cleaning the outside of your life and leaving the inside deteriorated and broken and filthy. When we see a command, what we want is not just outward obedience. We want an inward change that enables and empowers that obedience. So you read, hey, go be generous to the poor. Don't grudgingly go hand out $5 to the next guy you see holding a sign on the side of the road. He wants it coming out of heart of love and joy and compassion. Start at the heart level. Now listen, there's, there's more here. It's not always that you always start with the heart. You always want to engage in worship in this. That when I come to the Bible, I'm not just seeing commands. I'm seeing a big and huge God. He is the main character of this book. And what he wants is for me to see, man, I don't just see things I'm supposed to do. I see things that you have done. You're big and you're huge and you're strong. When you read the word, there should be this thing welling up in you. that You see that God is kind and gracious and it should turn into worship in your heart. Where you read the word and you may not have seen a command. You just saw that God chose you and saved you. And he did all this stuff and you say, God, I don't know. I mean, you're so kind. And you're so merciful. God, I'm praising you right now because you are that merciful. I'm in awe of your grace and your mercy and your patience. Yes, you are gracious. You're worthy of praise and you're worthy of honor. It's a heart that moves from just seeing God and letting my brain go there to I see who he is and I start to worship him from my heart. That's doing the word. That's obeying him. And, and here's what I want to get to. So what does that mean if my heart doesn't want to? Do I not do it? Well, here's what I think the gospel says. Here's what I do. So say it says, listen, Fias, you were a jerk to your wife. You need to go ask her to forgive you. All right? Say that's what I saw in the word. That stood out to me. I was a jerk. I was wrong. But my heart doesn't want to go and say, babe, please forgive me. Right? I know it would make life easier if I said that. We're not in a fight right now. Don't, don't think I'm doing some awkward, like, apologize to my wife in front of church. Uh, no, but, but what's happening, this is real life, right? You get in a fight with your spouse and there's that moment like, I don't want to apologize for the five kabillionth time. Maybe they were wrong this time, right? Like, okay, I'm the only one. Five of us do that. But there's this hardness in my heart. I know that I'm supposed to want to seek forgiveness and reconcile. I know I was wrong. I don't want to do it. I'll tell you what I think the gospel has us do. I say, God, I don't want to. And that's wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to help change my heart so that I, when I step into this, I want to ask my wife to forgive me. Help me to be humble, God. See what I'm doing? I'm saying, I'm not just saying, fine, I'll do it. And I go over there. I'm saying, God, no, I, I'm going to go do it, but I want my heart to be with me in it. So I'm telling you, I'm confessing the heart that's wrong. I'm saying I need your help. And then here's what I do. I don't wait for my heart to feel warm and fuzzy. I have to step out in faith, not faith that he'll make it all right, faith that he actually has done what he said he would do because of the gospel. God, I'm stepping out to go talk to my wife and ask her to forgive me because I believe that you really gave me, you gave me a new heart. 
You gave me the Holy Spirit. And I'm stepping out in faith that you will show up here and help me to do it, not just outwardly, but from the heart. I'm stepping out here in dependence on you, not gritting my teeth in obedience or not by this thing of I want to look right and I want to look good. It's this thing from the heart that's saying, I trust in you to help me do this the way you said it needs to be done. Does that make sense? Do you see that difference, church? That's what it means to be a doer of the word. And if there's anything that Southern Christianity has gotten wrong, it is this. We teach you to obey it, and we don't care if your heart is ever in it. And I'm telling you, Jesus cares. If you obey and your heart isn't, you are not a doer of the word. You may be a doer of church. You may be a doer of religion, but you're not obeying Jesus. Because obedience from Jesus is not disconnected from a loving heart. So church, I want to come back to my questions. My questions were, listen, are you a doer of the word? Are you a gospel-empowered doer of the word? Church, I'm praying that God would make us those type of people, not legalistic, duty-bound, loveless obeyers, but worshipful, loving, faith in the power of the gospel at work in us, doers of the word. Let's be that. So when you read James and you see, be a doer of the word, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear I'm supposed to be a doer of the word, not just a listener, not just a hearer, but I also want you to hear that when God does a work in you, he said, I can make you doers of the word. That's his promise. His promise is when he saves us, he will make us doers of the word. He's given you power to do it. And I pray we would lean in on him and have faith that he will actually show up and help us be doers of the word. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm gonna walk us through a moment of response here. And this is just a time for you to simply do business with God. Did he point out anything in you that you need to repent of? Anything that you need to do? Or is there something about him that stood out that you feel like, man, I need to worship him. That was amazing. Now is your time to respond. So let me ask, have you been a doer of the word? Are you by his gospel power obeying what he says when you see it? Are you responsive to him? Or have you gotten hardened or stubborn or whatever it is? Listen, if that's you, it's real simple. Just ask him to forgive you and ask him to help. Maybe you've been trying to be a doer, but you've been plugging into all the wrong power sources. You've plugged into guilt, into duty, into obligation, into legalism, or just tradition. Listen, if you've been trying to obey him on your own power, would you just stop? Don't wear yourself out that way. Connect to his power and ask him to help you obey by his power. Maybe for some of you here, the thing that stands out is you're like, listen, I, 
I'm not a doer of the word because I'm not in a real relationship with God. Listen, he's kind and he's gracious and he's patient. He just says, listen, if, if you want a relationship, all you have to do is repent and ask me to save you. Believe that Jesus died on the cross and came back to life. Believe that and put all your hope and trust in him and his work, not your own. Maybe for some of you showing up saying, I've never even tried to be a doer of the word. I feel like I'm limping in here. And I hope you heard the good news that, that Jesus is in the business of helping those who cannot obey. He will give you all the power you need to do that. In a moment, I'm going to pray. Um, and after I pray, we're going to stand up. We're going to sing a song in response to God. Um, if you need to have more time to speak with someone, our pastors will be available down front after the service. We'd love to get a chance to talk to you if God's doing something in your heart. But, but don't leave here just hearing the word. Leave here being a doer of the word by his gospel power. Heavenly Father, God, as I pray as we get ready to worship you and respond to your grace, God, I'm praying that you would make us people that are real, honest doers of the word by, by your gospel power. God, protect us from legalism. Protect us from that. I'm praying you would do a work in us that we are people who love. We have deep heart change, that we are stepping out to obey you in faith, that you're the one that's enabling it and empowering it. God, don't make us Pharisees. Make us real followers of you. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.